black woman. Beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Jamine. How's your week been? It has been, I'm going to say positive. It's been a good week. It's been a great week. I went to Houston this week. I um, had to speak at the American College of OBGYN's District 11 conference. And, um, you know, if you got, the listeners have been following me for a while. So you guys know I do this, you know, OB um, board. And so I have to go around speaking on behalf of that board from time to time. So I did some speaking this week um, at a conference. Um, I got to see a lot of friends and family because the conference was back in my old stomping grounds of Houston. So I was excited to be back home and I probably skipped out on like two thirds of the conference because it was because it was in Houston and I felt sort of bad, but I'm like, well, I didn't RSVP for this. I did what I came to do. And yes, I did stay three extra days afterwards, but I got to catch up with a lot of friends. So that was good. Um, I went to sorority meeting, uh, you know, back in Houston. People were like, oh my God, you're back. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not back. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here for the snacks and the good time. And I will be back in Atlanta next week. But, um, but no, it was good. It was good to catch up with um, some old friends, some old colleagues, um, you know, got a job offer, declined it. But, um, but yeah, it was good. I, I missed Harrison and he was sick at home. He wasn't sick when I left. So I know that made me sound like a really bad mom to say, you left your child while your child was sick. He wasn't sick when I left, but he became sick when I was out. Now, everybody knows that he stays with my mom when I'm out of town. So he was in good hands, but he did get sick. And so he called and he goes, <coughs> mommy, I'm sick. I said, are you really Yes, I need to stay home from school. I said, okay, well, do you have a fever? Yes, I think I have a fever. Mom was like, he don't have a fever, but he does have a cough. So I'm like, okay, you can stay home. 15 minutes later, Harrison is like riding his scooter down the driveway. I mean, doing all kinds of stuff that obviously sick kids don't do. So um, yeah, he he was not really sick, but he said he was sick. So Johnny, how was your week? Okay, let's go back for a second though. First of all, the joys of being a parent. I mean, he just needed a mental health day, it sounds like, and he got it. So, you know, that's fair. Um, But wait a second. Can we go back? You got a job offer that you declined. First, what was the job offer? And second, why did you decline it? Well, I mean, it was just an offer to come back to Houston and be the director of of a system here or there. Um, I declined it because I don't go back. You know, I'm not going to go backwards. I consider that a lateral move, you know. Why would I, you know, do the same same position? And plus, I've only been in Atlanta. I've been in Atlanta less than a year. So moving is hard. I mean, I am not going to move back cross country, sell my house in this awful market to try to find somewhere else to live. Mm-mm, no, and take my child out of one school system to another. No, mm-mm, it's a no for me. Like it would have to. Jesus Himself would have to tell me I need to move for me to move again. I'm not moving anymore. It's hard. It's when I was a spring chicken without a child, it was much easier for me to move. But this toddler moving, oh no, uh-uh. Interviewing for schools and finding schools and uh-uh, all the things. No, ma'am, I'm not doing that anymore. Not doing it. And, and second of all, Harrison took two mental health days, two mental health days, not now fever, but took two mental health days trying to play us. It's okay. Sometimes you need two mental health days. Look, I'm I'm on Harrison's side on this one. Like he's like, I didn't feel good because you know sometimes you just wake up in the morning and you don't feel well. If y'all are listening for the first time, know that this is this is habit. Janine always takes Harrison's side, and you guys know he's four, so he's four going on like twenty four, right? So he runs the household. But no, he needs to learn. I had to tell him, listen, 
Listen, you're going to have to do stuff you don't want to do. You're going to be sick and you still got to go to work. So guess what? Tomorrow you're going to school. (laughs) You're going to school Friday. And he did. And he actually ended up being sick. Being (laughs) sick. I know. I felt bad, but he did go to school and he did well at school. And then we came back Friday night. Mom was like, oh, well, he now he has a low grade fever. I think that you said the most accurate thing when you said Harrison runs the household. Oh, so cute. So cute. How was your week, Jenny? Girl, it was busy. So we had Truth and Service Classic yesterday, which is Howard versus Hampton game. And girl, it was it was a great, good old fun time. And I really genuinely missed. I was like, you know what? You know what I really miss? Being at Xavier, like, it's just really nothing like a bunch of, like, HBCU alum. It's insane. Like, it's just a whole different energy and just, it's just, it's just a good old fun time. So, yeah, that's what we had yesterday and it was great. Um, And you know what I did for the rest of the week? I worked to plan for yesterday. So, yeah, it was a lot. Um, Yeah, my dad, who we all know is old and does what he wants. He had a little bit of a scare this week. So hopefully this scare, unlike the rest of the scares, I don't know why I'm thinking that something is going to happen differently this time, but yeah. So he had a little bit of a scare and maybe he will stop eating like meat encased in plastic, AKA sausage and hot dogs and such, but I'm not going to hold my breath and and wait, because, you know, I'll I'll be on with Jesus before he changes his eating habits if I do that. So, but yeah, other than that, the week has been great. I hope this means you can get a break, I mean, because, <laughs> you know, you work like a Hebrew slave and then you say, oh, I've been working up to this event and this event happens. And we're like, yay, break time. You're like, no, no, no. But I have like four other events that I have to plan. So uh, I am now going to be working twice as hard now that this event is over. And I know that's what you're going to say, because that's that's what you do. This is CBC um, week, Nicole. CBC week. So that's not, that's not, I, no one gets a break CBC week. It's just, I mean, it's CBC week. Like it's just, you know, that's for those of you who don't know, CBC is the Congressional Black Caucus where all of the black folk who are even slightly politically inclined converge on the nation's capital. And while I'm sure a lot gets done, it's also a good time to like network and like, hang out and then all of your people, you see them. It's a thing, right? So yeah, CBC is this week. So that is not going to, this will not be my week of rest. I have deduced it'll probably be somewhere mid-October that I'll have some rest. But until then, I'll just keep trekking and hope that my body holds up because, you know, now the aches and pains are feeling a little bit different in my 40s than they were feeling when I was not 40. Um. The aches and pains are really aching and paining. Like before it was just like numb and dull pain. Now it's like, oh girl, go sit down, please. Cause you know, your knees might just give out on you in the middle of in the middle of you just walking around. So yeah. But I said all of that about uh truth and service to say. We gotta when is Xavier's homecoming? we we have to go to Xavier's home. Like it it just has to happen. When is when is it? So Xavier's homecoming, I'm almost certain, is either the first or the second weekend in November, and I definitely will not be. I can't go. I can't go. Why can't you go? I can't go. Because the first weekend, I have a board meeting in D.C., actually. And then the Mm. second weekend is the American Medical Association Conference, which is also pretty much D.C. It's at the National Harbor in Baltimore. So, I mean, I'll be back there like two weekends in a row. (sighs) <sighs> okay, fine. If if you if we can't go to Xavier's homecoming, then we will just have to do something when you're in the week. Maybe you just need to keep in stay in DC the week so that we can do an activity, said event that we have been so called planning for. Maybe, maybe. Okay, I'll I'll take that. All right, listeners, how have you been doing this week? I mean, we've talked a lot of chatter about us, but we hope that you are living your very best, fabulous life. And of course, we hope that you are catching up on the podcast and sharing with your friends. When you listen, share the episode with your friends, chat about it, you know, all those good things. And then make sure that you like, rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. You all already know. And if you haven't suggested your friends, if you've already done it, suggest that your friends do it now. As Nicole says, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. All right, Janine. So what's on our timeline this week? 
Okay, so this week's timeline came, and it was super quick and super cute, so I will say this. Um, it came from underscore individualist, and that's what he goes by on IG, and he has a hairstylist right in my backyard, as a matter of fact, in Baltimore. So he said, dating in your 40s has a totally different standard than dating in your 20s and 30s. He said, expectations are higher, patience is lower, Hormones are out of control and there is really no time for the BS. So then he goes on to list a set of expectations that he has um, for, you know, a dating relationship that he would engage in at his, I'm going to say, young age of 42. So here's some of the things that he said. He said a lot of communication. He said he wants you to go overboard with the communication. He wants a good morning text and a phone call. He wants a good afternoon text and a phone call. And he said that he wants a long, drawn-out conversation before bed and said that he does not mind falling asleep on the phone with you. Then he says that he expects to spend a lot of time together so that y'all can get to know each other. And he said that, you know, if you're going out with your friends or you want to go out with your friends and he wants to spend time with you, the friends are going to be a no-go because if you've had these friends for a long time, then as he put it, they can wait. So, you know, he said also a vacation on the first date is fine with him as well. And he said that he's looking for basically a lot. So he's looking for a partner but not just a partner in the romantic sense, but also a business partner because he said, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. And then he said that he wants to be married with kids and his biological clock is ticking away. So expect that to come a little fast and those conversations to come quickly. He said that he also wants to be in an active relationship because he said, we aren't going to lay around and eat bread and be fat and sassy. So he has a lot of like expectations. And then he asked at the end of his video, he said, so what are you looking for at your age? Now, Nicole, I actually had to think about this thing because first of all, I was like, well, I'm not looking for anything because I'm married. But then I said, wait a second, what happens if I do end up back on the market? Because, you know, that's a real possibility because, you know, my husband probably every single day is ready to throw me out the window. So just in case I end up back on the market, I had to think to myself, like, what, what, what I'd be looking for? Cause the things that I had on my list before I got married, I mean, that list was long. Like I was Harrison and I was waiting on Santa. It was really long. Now my husband is great and all, but like that list, it was long. And unless it was Jesus himself, I promise you, nobody was meeting that list of standards that I had. So when I thought about this, I was like, well, my list probably has changed a tad. Then I kind of briefly compared it to the expectations that I have of my husband. And then I compared it to like, well, what, what would this look like if I was actually single right now? And Nicole, honestly, I was confused and I didn't know what I would be looking for. I felt like the list was kind of varying a little bit, but I don't even know if it was realistic. I don't know. It just felt so confusing. And I'm I'm grateful that I'm not on the market because I would be out here probably accepting any and everything because Lord knows. But for real, no, though, Nicole, like, look, I know that you are newly on the market. Not really, but you know what I mean. Like, you're newly divorced. Do you have a list? Like, what does that look like? What are your expectations? Are they different? Like, since before you were married? Or are they the same? So, um, you know, before I answer that question, I'm going to listen to the, to the wisdom of our very expert guests, <laughs> but I will in short say, no, I don't have a list. No, I don't have a list. I do have a, a, a boo that I'm casually dating. I'm putting it out there. Uh, I do have uh -oh, a little hold boo. Hold on, hold on. Pause, pause, pause. Did you just say, <laughs> we have, we have questions, Nicole, hold on. You just derailed the podcast. Wait, you have a boo, this, you all. You all are learning about this the same time that Janine is learning about this. So this is like news news. Special alert. Special alert. Um, re repeat. Said boo. Who is said boo? Anyway, I'm not going to put his name out on blast on this platform. Mm. But I will say, I will say I didn't have a list, but I'm going to listen to our expert because maybe we should be a little bit specific and have a list. Before we get to the let's talk through it portion of the show and to comment on 
this timeline, I want to introduce our very special guest, and that is our dating expert, Monique Kelly. Monique Kelly is a dating expert and the woman behind the blog, Confessions of a Serial Dater in LA. She initially chronicled her post-divorce dating life anonymously until she stepped out from behind the keyboard and revealed her identity to her huge following, creating a phenomenon among single ladies in LA. Through this blog, she found her passion and gives the voice to many women in the dating scene, letting them know they're not alone in their journey. Monique is currently a correspondent and resident dating expert on E! Daily Pop for E! Entertainment, as well as the resident dating expert on NBC's hit daytime syndicated show, Access Live, NBA's regional show, California Live, and Fox LA's number one morning show, Good Day LA, and y'all, a ton of other shows uh, as well. She has also been a guest on the Tamron Hall show, The Real, The Talk. Um, she was featured previously featured in Essence Magazine, in LA Confidential, in Fox Soul, TV One. Y'all, she has done it all. And in her free time, she also produces a biannual event called Cocktails and Confession in, in, her, in, her, in her free time, y'all. These gatherings are held at Hollywood Hotspots, where Monique facilitates a talk show style conversation and get together to talk candidly about dating and relationships. She also has a novel called Reality and Chaos that you should all go go ahead and go ahead and buy it now. So Monique, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am cracking up listening to all of this chatter, the notes. This is good. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, you heard the timeline about our our friend or the, the he we think he's our friend. That's saying, okay, this is how you date me. I'm in my 40s. I'm not trying to play games. And he really expects a proposal. What did he say, Janine, in like three to six months? In three to six months? (laughs) He did. He said the the clock is ticking. You know, time is wasted. So, I mean, he had a laundry list. So should we have a list? You know, I'm, I'm newly divorced. Should I have a list that I need to go off of when it comes to dating in my 40s? Absolutely not. This is the issue. What happens with a lot of women... And men, clearly, (laughs) they have what I call dating delusion. And I think it's important that we don't do lists. We're not dating like we're going to the grocery store or building a robot and putting together a list of unattainable BS things that don't make sense. I always talk about what are your non-negotiables. That's what you need to focus on. Non-negotiables, whether it's um, religion whether it's potentially race, whether it's how someone communicates, whether it's, you know, various non-negotiables that are important to you, that's what you focus on when it comes to dating. But the list has got to go. And I find with lists, just keeping it real, I'm in my 40s as well, and dating in your 40s is very different than dating in your 20s and your 30s. And for some women, when you're dating in your 40s, you've been through so much let me watch my language, so much foolery (laughs) that you are very like, you're ready to bounce. You're very keen. You're very aware because you're healed. You've worked on yourself. So sometimes with healing and working on yourself, there comes a point when you start to have these unrealistic dating delusional lists because you're at such a great place in your life that you don't have any room for error, any room for margin. And a lot of times you find things that you call red flags they're not necessarily red flags. They're more so imperfections that all of us have. So we're throwing away the list in this timeline. Okay. So, um, and Janine, chime in, because you know I'm going to have a lot of questions because I'm, I'm <laughs> on the dating scene, right? So, so we shouldn't have a list. And some things, you said some things that we perceive as red flags really aren't red flags. Right. What are things that are commonly perceived as red flags that we should really just say, you know what, that's just a little flaw. And maybe we should overlook that said thing. Okay. So again, this goes to your non-negotiables because red flags differ depending on who the person is, right? So let's say that for you, communication, speaking every day, making sure there's texting happening, that's the same extent as our our friend with the letter. We'll, We'll get into that in a minute. But if communication and consistency is important to you, 
a red flag will be if you have communicated with this, this with the person, because don't forget, no one's a mind reader that, you know, as you start to get to know me, I'm one, I really, it's important that we talk every day or that, you know, if I send you a text message, you know, you respond at a certain point and you find there's inconsistencies. One minute they're calling you every single day and then suddenly that stops, that ends. And then a few days go by, you don't hear for the, hear for the person, they're slow to text you. If that is an issue for you, because there's some women that don't trip, they're like, okay, he's busy. But if that is an issue for you, you've communicated it and things are switching up, that is a red flag. Okay, a yellow flag or an imperfection is when you are dating someone, we're all going to say something stupid, okay? Unfortunately, none of us are perfect, not even the dating expert. Lord child knows I say silly stuff all the time. I think I might have said something silly before we started the show, girl. You heard me, Nicole, talk about my couch and the noises. So when you are dating, you're going to have moments where you are not going to say the right thing, do the right thing. You're going to say something silly or stupid. And sometimes when you're in your 40s, especially post-divorce, post-divorce dating, depending on where you are in the divorce spectrum, right after your divorce, you are hypersensitive. You are like, oh, wait a minute. This person said something silly. I'm out because you are coming out of a marriage. You're like, I am, I am not even thinking about working with someone. Understandably so, especially after a divorce. But understand, you're going to say something stupid sometimes. The person that you're dating is going to say something stupid. But having the ability to communicate and hear where they're coming from, I realize, okay, that person was nervous. They said something, trying to be funny. It wasn't funny. And recognizing that's an imperfection. It's not a reason to run and bounce. That's when you go to that list of non-negotiables of what is important to you. And the non-negotiables will lead you to know what are your red flags for you personally. I like that. So the list should be of non-negotiables, not yeah. like he should be 6'1 and he has to have a PhD and da 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 da. Got you. So here's um, the difference. Let me explain that because some people are like, well, what's the difference? So I love that you said that. A list is exactly what you said. Must be 6'1, must have a PhD, must make at least $250,000 a year, must. I remember once, I'll tell you, before in my 20s, I had a list of like, I think, 72 items, girl. And my ex-husband had everything on that list and we were soon divorced, okay? But one of the things I had on the list, ignorance, don't judge me, I was in my 20s, must wear a suit to work, okay? Like things like that, right? So that's a list. Here's the thing of non-negotiables, must be financially secure, must be passionate, I must be attracted to the person emotionally, physically, intellectually, spiritually. So when you put your non-negotiables in there, it leaves room where you might meet a man who is 5'9", that you suddenly find yourself like, oh my God, he's not what I normally would want. Normally on my list, I have 6'1", and this man's 5'9", but there's something about him that's intriguing to me. And let's flip it up because people always like to put the negatives on the list. You might meet a man who's 6'3", and then your list it says 6'1". <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's about putting, I must be attracted to the person. I must have passion with this person. And that's really when you're talking about um, looks or height, it's about being physically attracted to someone. When you're talking about must make this amount of money, must be financially secure, must be in a position where we can travel together comfortably. It opens it up to more than just a figure or a list, but more of a non-negotiable. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And, you know, with this timeline story, I mean, I was feeling him. I was like, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, until he got to, and I'm going to need a wedding proposal in like three to six months. I was like, <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Wait, it's 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 really expensive to get divorced. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, rush in uh so quickly. I was with him until he rolled out and I must need uh, you know, I, I'm gonna need a wedding proposal in three to six months. Because I get it, like we are older, we don't really have the time to waste, but I don't know. I think I needed a commitment, not necessarily a whole I mean th- that is the ultimate commitment is a proposal, but um for me, I, I don't. But one thing you did say about everybody's um, must-haves are a little bit different. 
you know, you hit my mustache. Like, I need you to be consistent and in communication. And I was actually with him, like, I need a good morning text and a phone call. I need a good night text and a phone call. I'm like, yep, yep, me too. And if you act like you are slow to text, that's a no for me. I'm, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That is a definite red flag for me. Mm-mm. You know, here's what I always say. Don't introduce me to a vibe that you cannot maintain. If you mm. start off and you are texting me every single day, you're sending me the good morning text, the good night text, you're calling every single day, we're vibing, and you introduce me to this vibe. There's a meme that says this. And then suddenly you do a 180 and you are barely texting me, you're barely calling, you're taking a few hours to respond to my text. When you already established the flow, that can be an issue. And it's understandable. And I don't think there's anything wrong. Some women, listen, myself included, I like that constant communication and and knowing that the person's thinking about me. And there is nothing wrong. That doesn't mean you're high maintenance or expecting too much, Mm -hmm. especially if that's the vibe that you have established. So with any woman, even if a woman who doesn't need you to call them every day, but if you change your pattern, that is a problem. Is it a deal breaker? No. But it is a like, oh, wait a minute. Mental Rolodex. Yeah, Nicole, to your point, I was with him until we got to the point where he said that if it's not making dollars, it doesn't make sense. But then was like, but his credit is bad. I was like, well, red flag, (laughs) red flag. That's where I would have been like, hold on a second. So you want me to to be in a specific situation and be financially stable, but you're saying that you're working on your credit still again. We got to be aligned on a lot of things. And that right there for me would have been a huge red flag. Like, uh oh, mm -mm, that's not going to work for me. Right. But yeah. Yeah, no. I just think that that you, for me, if I, when I was thinking about this, because like you, Monique, I literally had a long list. I mean, it was very, very long. The fact (laughs) that I'm even, the fact that I'm even married, it's like I, I was literally asking for Jesus himself, apparently. Right. So I, I don't know. I think that now it's just more, it's about being more realistic, right? Like you realize in your forties, you're more self-aware. So you realize the things that you're like, you want somebody to forgive these flaws in yourself. So you will kind of overlook those flaws in other people. But you know, in your twenties, you just think that you're hot stuff and nothing, (laughs) nothing is, is better than you. So you kind of just hold people to a much higher expectation than you would hold or then you should, I guess, hold people to. I don't know. It's always interesting, but I don't know what I would do. I mean, Nicole told us that she has a boo now, but like, I don't know what I yes, would do if I was single. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, Johnny, you did bring up a good point, right? Like the double standard is real. And I know that Monique, you've probably seen that. Like people have like unrealistic expectations and they're not bringing to the table what they what they want at the table. Like that doesn't, I mean, that's the whole, you know, people beat up Kevin Samuel, you know, rest his soul because he was calling out women in their double standards, you know, like there would be women that had like three children and that were, you know, overweight and didn't have a college education that had to have a man that had no kids, no, you know, no baggage, had good credit and made six figures. And it's like, wait a minute, but you're not bringing the same thing to the table but you, so you want somebody else to lower their standards to date you, but you have these like unrealistic, like you wouldn't date you. Mm-hmm. Do you see that a lot? Well, here's the thing. He that shall not be named because I think may that person's soul rest um, was one of the most negative misogynistic people that I've ever heard in my life. But I think he, here's the thing. I think it's all about the narrative that we're putting out there because I, I get so tired of social media and the media in general, making it seem like black women in particular, women in our forties are like, I want this. I want this. I want that. When at the end of the day, think about it. When you and your friends are having conversations, we just want love. Someone that we have a great vibe with someone that communicates with us, someone that treats us well, someone that loves us, someone that's coming to the table equally yoked. But there is this social media, media thing out there that makes it seem that black women are just looking for unrealistic expectations and just just delusional, right? And yes, some of them very much are. 
But what I find frustrating is no other race expects for their females to settle and be on this struggle bus. There is nothing sexy and cute about struggling to be in a relationship with someone when you were in your 40s and you were established. Now, let me go explain this. When you're in your 20s and you are dating someone, and I do feel bad for these 20-year-olds because there is there is social media where there is unrealistic expectations of 20-year-olds expecting men in their 20s to be where men in their 40s and 50s are. I always tell my younger followers, when you meet someone Look at someone that you can partner with and you can build something special. Because then if you're in your 20s and your 30s and you're with a man that you can build with, when you get to your 40s, you get to live that life together and enjoy it versus realizing that you turned down some really good brothers who might not have been at that level yet. But if you would have given time and stuck with them, you guys could have built something beautiful together and been basking in the sun and, and you're joys in your 40s. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to put up with some foolishness and all that because that struggle love, ride or die love, that's played out. But I think what's important for women in their 40s is to be unapologetic about what they want. If you're bringing certain things to the table and you want your mate to at least meet you halfway, and if maybe not necessarily, um, maybe they're not making as much money as you, but they're generous with the money that they have. They treat you well. They love on you. I'm not expecting a woman who is a CEO of a company to date, you know, a man who is not equally yoked for her, whatever that is for her. And I, I think it's important that we stop making excuses and stop feeling bad for wanting certain things that are important to us and that are non-negotiables. Does that make sense? I feel like I went on a roundabout way. But I just get so frustrated with social media downing black women and acting like we are these people that we are not. Yeah, that made a lot of sense, actually. Okay. And, uh, and, it, and it's very true. Like the, the, I like the way that you put it. It's like it's where it's not to be on the struggle bus. Like it's played out. Like that's mm -hmm. not that's not where we're where we're trying to be. Like we're we get it. But like we're, we're not there. Right. <sighs> And also, when you're in your 40s, when you meet a man, right, you got to think about the full picture because that man might not be fight, might have a, I like to say, a cash flow shortage. Why does he have a cash flow shortage? Does he have a cash flow shortage because he was in a long-term marriage? He got divorced. He now has to pay child support and, and pay for two different households. Is he on the struggle bus because he left a huge job and he took a chance and now he's an entrepreneur starting a new company and, you know, pursuing his dreams. I'm not talking about rapping. I'm talking about like, <laughs> you know, you know, those dreams. Like you got to look at the bigger picture because when you are in your 40s dating, life happens. OK, people are getting divorced. People might have even had to file for bankruptcy, not because they are financially, um, immature or financially illiterate, but because life has happened for them. But if it's a good person, a good man who treats you good and you can see where he's trying to go, where he was and the reasons behind where, why he is where he is, are you willing to work with this man? And are you willing to work with this man? Not because you are thirsty and you can't find anyone else. You just want to be with a man to have a man, but this man, you and him vibe, you and him connect and you see the bigger picture Let's talk about that. That's the difference between dating your 40s versus dating 20s and 30s. Life has happened, honey. Yeah, life is life. And life are we ready to <laughs> call life? <laughs> are we ready to talk more about life with our letter? Life is life, yes. And honey. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. All right. So um, this letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I've been with my boyfriend now for a little over a year. We previously dated about five years ago after my divorce, but it was only casual because I wasn't ready for a serious relationship. We remained friends over the years and decided to give it a, quote, romantic try, end quote, last July. Things were pretty good at first, but the distance was hard. I was in Atlanta and he was in Birmingham. So about six months ago, he got a new job here in Atlanta. Due to the new job, he moved in with me and my 10-year-old daughter temporarily until he could secure his own spot. His new job was more demanding with him working extremely long shifts for the city electric company seven days a week. I felt as if he was literally always working or sleeping. Although we were in the same house, we were no longer dating. He had to leave work early in the mornings around 3 a.m. to start his shifts. 
I would wake up with him and make sure he had breakfast and his lunch and snacks packed. He would get home around 3.30 in the afternoon for him to shower and go straight to sleep, straight to the room to sleep. When I asked about going out or hanging out with friends, he was always too tired. But when his friends come into town, he would always drop what he was doing to hang out with them around 9 p.m. and then come home to go to sleep so he could wake up for his morning shift. Last weekend, he finally got two days off but didn't tell me until the first day off approached, which was last Friday. He said he planned to go hang out with his son, who is 22 years old, which I thought was fine. But I asked if we could do something Saturday since we hadn't been out in a while and my daughter would be with her dad. He said, okay, Saturday came. I went to get my hair done like I do every other Saturday morning. I had a meeting after that, but was done at noon. I called him on my way home to see if he was home. No answer. I sent a text to see if he had anything planned and what time he would get he wanted to go out. I saw that he read the text but never responded. Around 5 p.m. he finally called back and said he was on his way home. I asked where he had been and he said he didn't have to tell me his whereabouts. I was in utter shock and went off. I always told him where I was going and for the most part knew where he was as well. But for him to have the audacity to say that was a slap in the face. When he got home, he said he was tired and didn't want to talk about it. That turned into an argument. He mentioned that the reason we'd never go out is because my daughter is always, always has things on the schedule and because I wasn't home earlier during the day. I just don't get it. I feel as if he just doesn't want to spend time with me for some reason. Am I being unreasonable to think that he should make time for me or should I be happy with him just being a working man? Sign Halen. Halen, y'all are roommates. Y'all are roommates. That's what this is. Like, I understand that you think that you're dating. Y'all are roommates. There was no point in this letter where you said that you all are intimate. First of all, let me go back to the beginning of the letter. So the first red flag that I had is that when he moved for his job, you moved him into your place, even though temporarily with you and your daughter, who is 10. And I know that you know him and that y'all have been dating and so on and so forth. And I, I get it. But I'm of the the old school mentality. Like, don't move anybody in with your daughter. You don't know. You really don't know somebody until you have them around your children. I wouldn't have done that personally. I'm not knocking you because it's your daughter. And thankfully, based on the letter that you shared with us, nothing has happened. But I just wouldn't have done that. But I digress. Now, first of all, this whole like come in and you get up to fix his breakfast, which power to you, girl. That's very noble of you. But you get up to fix his breakfast. And then when he gets home, he's just showering and going to bed. What? Like, we're not even having no fun adult time. Like, what's happening? It just seems like there's a lot missing for this to be a relationship. And I understand that you call it a relationship in name, but what you're explaining to us or the way that you describe this to us is you all are roommates. The only thing that sounded remotely relationship-like is the fact that he is arguing with you and being and gaslighting you, talking about he doesn't need to tell you where he was and he didn't want to talk about it. Y'all... Y'all just live together. This don't sound like a, a relationship. Girl, you can call him your boyfriend if you want, but that's on you. I think that I would definitely agree. There, there's some definite red flags here. The thing that sticks out, you know, obviously y'all were in a relationship for six months before he moved in. I just don't think that's enough time for, to move you to move him in with your with your child. If he's staying there temporarily, like, oh, my apartment is not going to be ready for another month and I'm going to crash temporarily. I, I can see you helping him out, but you haven't said he moved out. He's still coming home, taking a shower and going right to sleep, which means to me that he's been staying with you for six months, which means that he is not looking for another place. I have a, an issue with that unless you are really like the intention was to cohabitate. And I, and if that if that's what you want, okay, girl, that's what you want. But again, I don't know about how I feel with him being around my 10-year-old daughter. Um, some people are okay with moving people in with their daughter, and I get you trust him. But um, 
I wouldn't, but this is coming from, you know, I'm an OBGYN. So I see all the, all of the things that's, that happen sexually with children and, you know, things like that. So for me, it would have been a, it would have been a hell no, like you can't move in with my daughter. Like I'll help you find, you know, stay in this extended stay if you want to stay in this extended stay, but I'm not moving you in with my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got no rings on my finger. I'm not doing that. Um, the second thing is she's playing wife. She's being the very good wife, right? She's making lunch. She's making snacks. She's waking up at two, two, three in the morning. I don't know what she does. She may have to go back to sleep and wake up herself, but she's doing all of the things to support him. And I don't hear anything that he's done to support her. I assume that if he's working all these hours, he may be supporting financially in the household, but you didn't really need him to do that. You were doing that before he moved in. So what is he doing extra for you um, to support the relationship? And I don't see that. Um, I also think that she's not the priority here. Like when he gets off days, he goes spend with his 22 year old grown son. And uh, I don't care what you say, you know, people shouldn't, you should not have a, you know, a tag, one of those like air tags on people know where they're going at all times but there should be some type of accountability in the relationship to say we live together this is where i am this is what i'm doing this is where i'm going because you can't make me tell you where i'm going and then you don't want to tell me where you're going that's not going to work with me and if we're not transparent in that i know you're going to volunteer the information i shouldn't even have to ask you where you're going babe i'm going here i'll be back around this time is what you should volunteer to me. The fact that she has to ask and then is, you don't even know my whereabouts? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And is this new? Because to me, this feels like new movement because I know she wouldn't put up with this for six months. So who else is you? Who else are you going to see, right? On your now time off, your newfound time off, who are you going to see? And why are you reading my text message and you don't reply? See, I know that I will be, I'm hard to date. I already know. And the person I'm dating knows me very well. So he already know. When I call, you answer. I, I'm that type of person. If you're in the bathroom, you pick the phone up and you call me back and say, hey, babe, sorry I missed you. I'm in the, I was in the bathroom. Because <laughs> the transparency needs to be there for me. Because I don't have the kind of games to try to rationalize and figure out what you're doing or who you're with or why you, why you read my text and you're not answering my text. Like, if I have to do that and you're putting me on that level of insecurity, then I just, I don't need you. I'm going to move on. It's a move on for me. And so I would tell Halen, girl, move on. Like this man doesn't respect you. They don't want to be held accountable to you. What are you doing? You're letting this man off with basically cheap room and board. And you are like acting like college freshmen and playing wife at the same time with no benefits. I would tell you, and you know, Janine, I don't tell people to move on. I tell people, oh, make it work, you know, uh, but you don't have no papers on this man. You're not married to this man. And right now it's easy to walk away from being someone that has gone through a very long divorce. It's, ex- it's expensive. It, it takes way more energy and way more time to get divorced than it does get married. So this to me is just like, he does not respect you. If this is what's going to happen right now at a year. I can't even imagine how he'd be treating you at five years. Or if you're really legally married, then it's like, I'm going to go wherever I please. And you're going to have to suck it up. And you're going to have to deal with it. Walk away, Halen. Now, that's my unprofessional two cents. That's my unprofessional two cents. No, no, no. Y'all are on it. Literally, I have to put on my camera. I was like, <laughs> because here's the thing. How nice for him. He gets free room and board, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And he gets to go from Alabama to Atlanta and kick it in the city and party it up and meet other women with his young 20-something-year-old. Here's what I always tell women. First of all, I call it your inner loving diva. Your inner loving diva tells you everything you need to know. She already knows the answer to this question before she even wrote this letter, okay? Your inner loving diva tells you, oh, something feels not right. Oh, something's off. I'm not feeling it. And whenever we try to push it down and make excuses, the inner loving diva, also known as your intuition, keeps pushing you like, no, no, something's not right. So let's rewind. You guys had some great points. First of all, she's giving wife benefits to someone who's not even her man. And a lot of times as women, this is something you have to be very aware of, especially as we go into homecoming season and class reunion season and CBC and all this stuff we were talking about earlier. A lot of times, especially when we get in our 40s, 
we reconnect with men that we knew in our 20s or 30s because what happens is a lot of people are now newly divorced and out of relationships and you kind of reconnect with people from your past which is a beautiful thing. I love that because when you reconnect with someone in your past, you have something in common, you know, you have memories, it's beautiful. But what you have to keep in mind, because a lot of people get stuck in this, oh, I've known him since I was 20 years old, we've known each other. No, 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 you have not. You knew him in your 20s, you got life happened, and now you're reconnecting. So now you knew that version of that person in their 20s, but now you are starting over as two people with baggage, a bunch of crap, and now you're starting over now and fresh. It's wonderful you have something in common, but you have not known that person for 20 years. So a lot of times you get in this thing of like, oh, well, we dated back in the day for this amount of time and now we're back together. No, you are dating this person now. Don't get stuck in the fact that you knew him years, years ago and now you're reconnecting. So she is getting stuck in the fantasy of, oh my God, this is such a great story. I reconnected with the love of my life. And she's not thinking rationally. She's giving someone the benefit of someone she has known for years when she hasn't. I don't have children. I'm a great auntie. But moving someone in with your kids, especially when you have daughters, and I'm not saying this man is doing anything, you know, criminal activity. However, when you have a daughter in particular, one, you have to be aware of safety issues. And two, what is the message you are telling your daughter right now? And this man, he's disrespecting you. You know he's disrespecting you. And you know what's going on, okay? And just because cheating can be emotional and physical, okay? But the gaslighting, you have all this information. He is in your house, okay? So when someone's in your house in a short period of time, as a bed and breakfast, you have rules and he's breaking them. Keep it moving. I'm over here screaming. She dropped the <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm over here screaming because I'm like, what in the world? Like, I, I and everything that you're saying, it's like what I'm thinking in my head. Because it's like, yeah. what this just seems a lot. And why did you, how did you get yourself into this situation? And to Nicole's point, clearly he's been there for six months. So six months in and you don't see the red flags in this. I think that you do see the red flags in this. And that's why you wrote us this letter. Follow your intuition. Go, go ahead on. He's, he'll be okay. He'll trust me. He will find his way. It's Atlanta. It'll be another lady that lets him move in with her. Promise you. <laughs> 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 I mean, myself back on mute. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All right, Johnny, what's our second letter? Okay. This one says, hi ladies, Wendy here. Love the podcast. I feel like I'm one of your biggest supporters because I've been listening since day one. Thank you, Wendy. We love you. Okay. So ladies, I have a little situation. I'm not sure that you all can relate, but I figured I would give it a shot and write in. So here's the situation. My high school sweetheart and I reconnected after more than 20 years at the supermarket. He's recently divorced, as am I, and when we ran into each other in our small hometown, it felt like just yesterday that we were together. We picked up right where we left off. He is exactly the same person I used to know when I was in love with him in high school. Now, you see, that's kind of the problem. He's exactly the same from high school. He's always made me laugh. He's such a prankster. He's super adventurous and easygoing. Nothing ever bothers him. He's always on joke time and nothing is ever taken too seriously. He's loads of fun and he's always the life of the party. The issue is we are now in our late 40s. And while I love him and his personality, I need a little more. He wants to take our relationship to the next level and move in together, but I'm a bit hesitant. I need to be able to have a serious conversation. I need to be able to laugh, but feel safe enough to cry. As I told him, I need a relationship that's both fun and functional. I love him. I really do. Always have, always will. But I'm not sure that he is the one. Ladies, should I continue to date my high school sweetheart for round two, or should I let it all go? I don't want to be alone at almost 50. Um, and honestly, I really suck at dating. And then she says, 
Okay, bye. Signed, Wendy. So there's a few. We just talked. How funny we were just talking about this, about reconnecting with people from your past. Not only he's not the same person as he was in high school. He's the immature, sounds like emotionally immature man in his 40s from the person that you were in high school. There's a lot of things that she said. The first thing is she's, and this is a real, she's afraid of being alone. She's in her 40s, almost 50 dating again. And let's keep it real. When you have been married for a long period of time and you get back in the dating world, it is terrifying. And we can pretend and be like, oh girl, you good, you good. But that is a reality that we have to talk about. Getting back in the dating world, being a woman who is in your 40s, almost 50. It is terrifying because you're back in this dating world. A lot of men are dating women younger. There's this fear of being alone. But you have to take that chance and learn who you are in your post-marriage life. And lots of times with women, we go where we're comfortable because it's easy. We don't have to worry about the fear. Now, she wrote a letter and said, we reconnected, we're vibing, everything's great, and it's wonderful, great, that's a wonderful love story, but there are some serious red flags that she has to address. And a lot of times you date someone and then you break up later and you're like, oh man, now I understand what the wife, ex-wife was going through. I would venture to say this is something, a consistent story that has been going on in his life and in his marriage for years, not taking life seriously. Also, we have to also be aware of men who are, and women, but men who are newly divorced. They're still fresh. They're still trying to figure things out too. So I would say to her, I'm not going to tell her to stop dating him altogether, but the moving in part needs to be postponed and you all just need to date each other and be aware of these various things that are concerning to you and not make excuses for it and explore it a little bit further. Also, you need to date other people and be open to the possibility and get used to dating again and get comfortable with who you are now. Yeah, um, I think that's great. Definitely great advice. Um, I just wish that Wendy told us a little bit more, right? Like, you know, y'all dated back in the day, but why'd y'all break up, right? What? And I'm I'm one that doesn't go backwards. Like, you're my ex. <laughs> you can be looking real good. You can smell good at the reunion. I am not going <laughs> back there because I'm going to remember what you did, and I'm going to know that you probably hadn't changed that much. So for me, it's hard for me to like go backwards and date somebody I've seriously dated in the past. Like It's a no for me. So I'm wondering, why did y'all stop dating? If he was so great and you had such a great relationship, why did the relationship end and he end up dating you know, Sally over there down the street? Like Why, why did that relationship end? Um, that's number one for me. Number two, is it that you're taking life a little bit too seriously and he's enjoying life. I haven't heard anything about like, this is a difficult time that we had to face and he took it lightly. Should he be taking things more seriously or y'all really just having fun? You know, I don't know what kind of job he has. I don't know how he handles different types of struggle. Like, I don't know how he, what happens if he does get upset. Like, have you done something to upset him that hasn't upset him? Like, give us some examples, girl, of, how he is just too playful. Because to me, it sounds like y'all in y'all late 40s, y'all living your best life. He's trying to travel, live his best life and nothing, you know, everything is great. Whereas maybe you're a little too stressed out and you're taking life too seriously. That could also be the situation. So tell us a little bit more about how exactly he isn't taking stuff seriously. Because the problem doesn't always have to be him. It could be you in this situation because you haven't told us anything that has happened um, that he has not taken seriously. You have not told us that he he's not working, he don't have a job, and he expects for me to take care of you. Haven't said any of those things. It sounds like he, you know, grew up a little bit, got a degree, and then probably has a good job. And you guys are having fun. That's what it sounds like to me. But you're saying that he, you can't have a serious conversation. What serious conversation have you tried to have with him that he hasn't had? So I just want to know a little bit more example of that. And then always, I would just trust your gut, like whether it's you or whether it's him. If you don't feel, if there's a hesitation about y'all moving in, <laughs> don't move in. Don't move don't in. Move. What is the, the rush about moving in these days? I don't like, know. That rush. It's only don't been be shacking up. Don't be shacking up if you don't, <laughs> if you're not feeling it, don't shack up. And just Y'all were fine before. 
dating and having fun and seeing where it goes. Why are we already, why are we already talk about moving in together? I that can part. I say something? Yes. So I think that people, we all know that, you know, the economy is trash and housing is expensive. I think that people are so anxious to have a relief from somebody's bills and adulting <laughs> that they're just moving in with any and everybody. Because honestly, if you took a step back and you talked to other people and you heard, if you even read the letter, Wendy, to yourself before you sent it to us, and as if it was not you writing it, you probably would have given yourself the same advice that we're giving you. Because it's not, this doesn't sound right. And, you're, and you are sending yourself the red flag saying, hey, something's going wrong over here. Girl, you know, you, you you don't need to move in with this man. And I'm with you, Nicole. Why did y'all break up the, the first time? Because what are we spinning the block for? Now, you all know Janine is a firm believer. We do not spin the block. There was a reason why he's your ex. I'm just saying. And if you're going to sit here and tell me it's because, oh, we left and went to college and blah, 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 blah. So then you can't really trust him once he's not in your sight. So I... I need some explanation as to why y'all broke up the first time. And I, I want answers to that question first before we continue on with this advice, because I'm concerned that we're spinning the block because of our age, because you don't want to date. And this is easy because y'all just happen to run into each other in the supermarket. Well, you said you lived in a small town. How many supermarkets do y'all have? Right. If y'all both still live there, it's not really hard to run into the people that you grew up with when y'all still live in the same place. I'm, and maybe that's not the case because you didn't share that information with us. But it just seems like you are kind of trying to force this thing, Wendy. Or both of you might be trying to force this thing. It just seems like it's just all too convenient. It might be that he's your homie. He always makes you laugh. This might be your best male friend. And that's okay. <laughs> but y'all yeah. don't need to be together. All right, y'all. What did we learn new this week? Janine, you want to go first? Yes, and I'm going to take this from, it came off of the Jennifer Hudson Show website because guess who gave us this great advice? Miss Monique Kelly. So I will tell you the five tips to find love if you are out here on the dating scene or if you are nervous about the fact that your husband might put you back on the dating scene, This you might want to listen. So here are the five tips. One, go where the men are. That's a thing, right? You're not going to the places where you hang out with the girls because that's not where the guys are. Number two, get out of the house. That's like a real thing, right? We all know when we're in like cuffing season and you stay in the house and you used to be in a relationship, you stay in the house a lot more than you typically do because guess what? Your favorite person is in the house or at least what should be your favorite person is in the house. Get out the house, please, because if you're looking for love, you not it's not going to come knocking on your door. I promise you that. I mean, unless you just want to fall in love with the UPS man or the Amazon guy. Um, number three. Tell your friends that you're ready to meet someone. Honestly, that one was like a thing for me because oftentimes it almost is like we're embarrassed that we are back on the dating scene so we don't say anything. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, my friends know the other people who are out on the scene. And, you know, friend hookups are tend to be good because they know y'all. They know how you are. They know you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly, typically. So friend hookups are good. So that was a good one, Monique. Um, and then... Number four was swap lists for non-negotiables. Now, we heard this earlier. That's a real big thing because, y'all, I really have a, like, I, I'm going to say had a list. It's long. It's not going to work. It doesn't exist. I'm not about to be married to Jesus. So go for the non-negotiables. And then number five, have a positive mind frame. And that's important because, you know, we all look like at single life like it's leprosy. Y'all, you're not dying. <laughs> you're just single. And honestly, the way that married life goes sometimes, you sometimes, you know, you might be better off single. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's for me, but I'm saying the way that married life goes sometimes, you know, single life looks a little bit appealing. What'd you learn new this week, Nicole? So I learned that the number one dating app for divorced women ages 34 to 55 years old is Match.com. And I did not realize that. Like, there's such a discrepancy between, like, Match.com and, like, everything else, apparently. Um, but that's the number one dating site. No, you will not see me on there. You know, I'm, you know, 
I met my my husband, ex-husband on an online site. I will not be on an online site anymore. No, no, not to him. Great guy, great father. Just not for me. Okay. And so Nicole will not be doing any, any more dating uh, online. Now, listen, I have a boo. I said, I have a boo. I don't have any rings. So this is me telling all my listening friends that I'm now on the dating scene. <laughs> I, I'm out there y'all. I'm in the open. I'm on open. I'm okay. not on online dating. So let me know. Okay, I know that we're not supposed to interrupt the uh, learn something new, but I was low-key stalking your page, Monique, and one of the things that you said was, and I don't remember on which platform or show you said this on, but one of the things that you said was like, why are you not dating multiple people? Because you are not married, so you you can date multiple people because, and men do it all the time. Until they're off the market, they will date everything they can find. So y'all, we should date everything we can find until we're off the market too, huh? I mean, not we, because I'm I am off the market, but the rest <laughs> the rest of the people <laughs> for y'all date everything you can find until you're off the market. Now I'm not saying sleep with all of them because you know that comes with a whole different set of issues that you're not ready for. I promise you. All right, Monique, do you have a learn something <laughs> new this week? Anything you new you want to share with us? Oh my gosh! Aside from the fact that I love you guys and I'm having the time of my life right now. Okay. I mean, you guys touched on everything, but I will leave with this. This is something for your um, listeners to keep in mind. It, we're going into it's September, October. So I know a lot of people have fear of dating, fear of being alone. Not everyone's into dating apps. So we're entering homecoming season. We're entering football season. We're entering reunion season. We're entering CBC. I, you were talking about CBC. You were talking about the American Medical Association conferences. Be willing to think outside the box and put yourself out there and go to different things and be out and about. It's not about looking thirsty and and drooling and being all over the place and being like, I'm trying to find me a man. It's about strategically placing yourself in positions and situations where the odds are in your favor and you can meet other people. So be open to those possibilities and make sure you are doing those things where you can meet some people. This is the key time to be out and about doing things get out the house yes so um i learned that w- when i don't come home i'm gonna say that monique told me that i had to get out the house <laughs> ah, don't you have ken coming after me now <laughs> ken, i did not say that ken <laughs> he, he's he's laughing he's just on mute monique we have just thoroughly enjoyed you being here we wish we could have you back on the show every single week this was Fun. I even took my video off. I got so comfortable. You guys have me here with no makeup on and my video off. I was having a good time. Yeah, girl. We all makeup all in our natural beauty. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. So, Monique, <laughs> tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can follow you. Oh, I the best place to find me is on my Instagram page at Cocktails and Confessions. It tells you everything I'm doing, where I'm going to be, and also my book, Reality and Chaos. It's available on Amazon.com and at Barnes & Noble. Awesome. And do you have any more speaking events that's coming up that our listeners need to be aware of so we can make sure to support you? Oh, I love that. I'm on lots of local television stations and national TV shows. So if you go to my IG page, once I'm on the schedule, it will tell you where to find me, what channel, and all that good stuff. So a lot of great things to be announced very soon. Awesome. Okay, so when is your next event? When are you doing another event? Like, tell us about the next one. So I am happy and excited to say I'm planning the next Cocktails and Confessions event. It's going to be in November. The date is still being tentative and planned out. And I am also going to start offering one-on-one dating coaching sessions as well as group dating coaching sessions. So all of that information is going to be rolling out in the next few weeks So be sure to go to my page. I'm super excited because I have been inboxed on the regular basis about dating coaching and one-on-one coaching. And I'm so excited that I'm actually going to be moving forward with that again. I'm super excited. Can you do it like closer to the end of November? Not like Thanksgiving because (laughs) at the beginning of November, my my podcast co-host, she has a lot of activities that she needs to do. So if you can do it at the end of November, that would be best. That's just my one request, please. I got you, boo. And don't think it's just going to stay in LA. I plan on traveling with it. Yes. 
Yes. Ooh, yes. We're excited. Okay. So one thing, uh, my husband, before he throws me out the window, I have to ask you, <laughs> tell us about your podcast. Oh, she said that oh she doesn't God, have one. It. I'm like, Ken is like, what? Okay. One of the podcasts that I do, I am a music junkie in particular, <laughs> old school music. Cause I'm sorry. Old school music. You know, it's not talk about twerk, twerk, twerk. And uh, 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 it's like real music, real lyrics, very romantic, just the good stuff. So the name of the podcast is Music Day, a verified hit. It's available anywhere where you get your podcast. And it is just great information. We talk to music industry vets, whether they're behind the scenes, actual artists. And it's real engaging conversations. And they are giving you the inside scoop and the tea on all things music. It's awesome. We need to all go go subscribe to Monique's podcast so we can continue yes. the good music conversation. Yes. All right. Are y'all ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. And it comes from Carrie Hilson. And she said, I'm not waiting or looking for love. The right one will find me when it's time. I'm just focused on being the best human I can be. So ladies, we should be focused on doing just that too. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.